0: This is a Restless Summer interview. Welcome back everybody to this wonderful, bright, warm, uh, lively, enjoyable, relaxed, Restless Summer, where we just get to enjoy the good, feel, feel great about yourself vibes that Restless Summer brings. Uh, this is Pastor Michael. And I am here with uh, the the host, Matt. Matt, how are you doing? I'm doing
1: well. I'm just waking up from a restless summer nap as I, as I do. And Likely out on a hammock. Yep. Nice yep. breeze coming through. Take a nap, record a restless interview. And that's what we're going to do today. Great. Yeah, we are. So
0: uh, today we have with us uh, someone who has uh been on our podcast feed before uh, but uh more so when we were guests on his podcast so we have resby uh who is one of the hosts of the wow well, i'm blanking on the name of the podcast which makes me uh you know what a shock me feel pretty horrible the Presbycast. cast it's been a long day uh wow. we have resby from the presby cast with us resby it's how are you good. doing tonight
2: it's good. I, if I may, uh, offer up. Could could this be known as Restless Boy Summer?
1: Oh, it um, could. It um, Restless could. Boy Summer.
0: I, I just want to offer
2: that one to you guys for free.
0: <laughs> Great. I'm a fan of it, uh, and uh, I shouldn't I shouldn't forget the name of Presbycast. I was literally listening to it maybe ten minutes before we started. Uh, I was catching up on the latest uh, interview with Todd Pruitt, so that maybe dates when the show is going to come out, but. I was enjoying that.
2: I think that's an old episode, though. Is it? Yeah, because I haven't. I. It was that. It was. It was about the Nashville statement.
0: Yep. Yeah. It's a 2020 rewind. It says.
1: Yeah, rewind.
0: I still see. I still have it up even on my podcast catcher. So.
2: Yeah. So this is, um, at least for us, um, as a like loosely, current events. Uh, church podcast, we uh, you know, we do sort of like everything. I mean, we most of our listeners, I would say, are probably from uh, the PCA, so a lot of the heads sort of turn towards um, GA uh, in the summers as people get ready for it. Um, you know, excepting last year, this year is no exception to that. Um, so we're we're sort of going back and uh, bringing back some old, relevant dare I say, uh, a content that may like kind of feed mm-hmm. into, I mean, in a very real sense, you know, the PCA is sort of, this is the 2020 general assembly that right. never was. Um, right. So these are all of, it's just like, we took an incomplete grade. We didn't drop mm-hmm. or withdraw. We just took an incomplete and now we have to finish it. Um, yeah. If, if I remember, sometimes you, sometimes you can get a second incomplete if the instructor really likes it.
1: I remember correctly though, um, you are a member in an OPC church. Is that right, mm-hmm. Resby?
2: Yeah, yeah. So it'll be. We've been, we've been in the OP. I guess uh, uh, around Labor Day will be about
1: two years. Wow, Pastor Michael. I don't know if you know what that means. That means we are now on our third OPC friend, and that probably means. We need to branch out. We need to spread our wings. After. Does that make
0: us? Are we truly reformed yet? Did we make I don't, it? Are we're we pretty close.
1: Club? When we're when we're interviewing lots of uh, OP friends, um, well, it's
2: it's sort of like uh, it's it's like when um, like when Baptists say all their favorite theologians are pre- actually
1: Presbyterians.
2: It, <laughs> this this is like the next progression in, yeah. in that.
1: <laughs> all my friends are. <laughs> all my friends are in the OP, um, all the people we get along with. So, well, we're we're happy to have you on. And we just, um, when we were on with you guys, it was just clear that to some degree or another, you had a background with the New Calvinism mm-hmm. uh, like we did. And so we uh, we figured it would be a, a good opportunity for us to, yeah, just hear about it here on the show. But maybe the best place to start is just tell us about your... I don't know if you want to either your Christian background or how you became a Christian um, that that took you to New Calvinism.
2: Yeah, so um, I, I, I would I would I would describe myself as thinking I have been a Christian my entire life. So I don't uh, I don't have like a, a conversion moment. I was I was I actually was raised Catholic until my early teens. But even then, if someone you know, it sort of asks like those sort of core questions of what, you know, what do you believe about, um, you know, Jesus, what do you believe about him dying on the cross? Like I, w- I would have answered in a way that I-, I would probably still answer now, you know, lamb of God died to take away the sins of the world. Um, I know I don't have a time when I didn't believe that. Um, although there was probably a time when I like thought I didn't, you know, cause, uh, people have ways of making you think that, especially, uh, regarding our topic. Um, so I, uh, that was like my early teens and then, um, basically of junior high through, uh, high school. Um, I, my family were regular attenders. We weren't, we weren't members. Um, but we were regular attenders, uh, at a conservative, uh, USA congregation. So very much still in sort of like your like purpling, but still like Reagan Republican suburb sure. uh, in in Southern California, and so, uh, but that was really where I came to. That was re- where I understood what it was to like be a Christian um, in the like abiding sense, or or that was where I was introduced to like. I think for guys, I think you're always introduced to people where you're like, oh, if I get married, I hope that I can have a relationship with my wife that marries like this Christian couple or something. And so that's where like sort of those like foundational discipleship places happen. And, and I'm I'm happy to say that uh, I think I have mirrored that and, and that I'm still friends and talk to like that family to this day. <laughs> but um so and then uh, graduated high school, um, decided to um, decided to uh, accept the Ivy League admission to uh, San Diego State, and um, from there the first couple years sort of floated around. Um, freshman year, um, I mean, if if. Uh, for anyone listening who's from San Diego, this was, you know, this is like the mid-aughts so 2005, 2006. So there's, um, and I know some of the names are kind of still around, but it was for a lot of the college freshmen there. It was like the two main like mega churches were uh, The Rock, uh, pastored by uh, Miles McPherson, a former San Diego Chargers player, uh, who is, I believe, still there. Um, uh, and then the other one was uh, a church called The Flood and um it was there were some great moments there where like it, there's a lot to make fun of for like like 18 service like mega churches um but at the same time there were some like good moments uh, where you know miles sort of called people out and was like look if you don't like what i'm gonna say i know you're just gonna drive across town and go to the flood next sunday and he was like what you think me and pastor matt don't talk and you could see like certain necks like get stiff in there um so that was fun but um probably about
0: where where does that name come from the flood because that sure doesn't i don't know that doesn't conjure up great images in my mind having read the bible
2: yeah i mean it it's when you think about like the two major like flood events i mean i guess you could think of like the flood with noah where everything's covered up and uh my mind immediately went to the parting of the red sea which um which i was you know which they describe as A baptismal event, Uh, however, uh, you did not want to be immersed right uh, in that particular event. Um, So I, I don't know where they got the name from. Um, I was, I was for my time, I was basically a rock attender. Although it it wasn't unusual to have like split friend groups, but like all the services were basically at about the same time. Um, But it it was interesting in college because that's where I was like sort of realized like I don't want to go to okay so this is ironic now being a like two service Sunday guy but I remember in college saying like I don't want to go to church at 5 p.m. on Sunday um, so I was like so I'm just going to get up and go to the eight uh, you know and, and growing up Catholic having multiple services to choose from was not unusual um, it it you know, so I would get up at eight and I was like, so now I'm, I'm just done. Like I'm, I'm here the whole time. And, um,
1: so, uh, so you're, so you're at the Ivy league of Southwest yep. California and yep. you're at Southwestern Iraq. most Oh, Southwestern most. yep. Um,
2: and so, uh, about junior year of college, so this would be like, oh, eight, I started to kind of realize like, I don't see myself here at this church long-term. Uh, because, well, Hey, nobody really sees themselves in a mega church long-term, uh, whether you know it or not. But, um, also I was just like, I don't know anyone here. Like, I don't, it doesn't feel like a, dare I say, it doesn't feel like a real church in that respect. So, um, the house I was living in with, was with a bunch of other Christian guys and I'd been introduced to, uh, a Southern Baptist pastor. Um, and, um, and kind of fell in with him and started going to his church um within a couple miles of the flood um but not uh
0: but you very could much, couldn't have been more different outside of the range of the flood it was a right. local flood in right. other words
2: you were yeah yeah exactly uh, a lot of sandbags uh, it was right. uphill from the uh from the flood no water
1: damage there. exactly but it was i mean
2: it was an old um it was an old baptist church that had been there for decades um A lot of, I mean, it was like, you know, there was very much the older members uh, who had been there for many of those decades, Uh, but it was sort of a, you know, pretty, pretty traditionally, you know, white Southern Baptist church, but it was in an area where like within like eight square miles, there were like 35 different languages spoken Uh, because of all the, um, Southeast Asian immigration that had happened into, into that area of the city. Um, so it was just an awesome place to like, you'd walk out of church and like, there's the Vietnamese grocery store or like whatever. Um, and so that was, uh, ended up, that's where I met my wife at that church. The pastor married us. Um, and and so it was sort of like a, I had sort of a non-typical SBC experience, um, because, Um, it was him and another pastor made up like the elders. Um, but the other elder was the one who, who didn't drink. Um, so he, the other pastor who was the main preaching pastor, he and I would go out for a beer, uh, here and there and cigars and stuff like that. And so that's how like our friendship really, uh, blossomed. And, um, and then, so we got married, uh, it was early 2010, um, as a true San Diego State Aztec, uh, myself and World Series MVP and San Diego State alum, Steven Strasburg, we we were both married on the exact same day. So um, that was really nice of him to do that for me. It was a great wedding <laughs> gift. I appreciate that greatly. Is that how you remember um,
0: your wedding date?
2: Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, you every, every day is, yeah. and then
0: you're like, oh, yeah.
2: No, no. He, he remembers his by remembering mine. I usually <laughs> oh, tag okay. him on Twitter and be like, don't forget, dude. And, um, he never responds, but, uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, so we got married in like early 2010. And then, um, I, we, I, we had moved, uh, across the country to the East coast by then and sort of floated around for a little while. But, um, I had, I had some good friends who, uh, decided to go to, um, Westminster Seminary in California in Escondido, uh, none of whom were Presbyterians at the time, Um, many of whom became Presbyterians as a result of that, uh, to varying placements on the confessionality spectrum, Um, um, and not making any judgments now about that, but it is what it is, Um, and so one of the one of the guys that I was close friends with, and he and I were roommates in, in a house a couple of years in college, and um, that was where I was first introduced to probably what, what we would now call New Calvinism, is he was a member of an Acts 29 church uh, in San Diego, sort of a uh, family's choice, or I guess you could say like a dual mode baptism style church. So they weren't Presbyterian, but they were covenantal so far as they understood it that they would baptize infants. Um, and I was like, that's wild. And, uh, that was like the first time I had really thought about that. And how probably... did you think
0: of baptism at that point when you had, I mean, you had grown up Roman Catholic, so you'd been baptized as an infant. Yeah. You, were you ever, uh, baptized at one of these other churches? I, were going to
2: so I, I was, um, at a, uh, large high school, like, End of summer thing uh yeah. there was like that i used to go to a um i used to i used to work at a, a day camp uh, that was at a mega church and their high school did like a big like boat trip uh every year so like we would go out and it was like 16 houseboats. i mean it was it was great fun uh when you had friends with wakeboard boats uh, as I was blessed to have. So, um, but we would, we'd go do that in the first year I was, I was baptized there. Um,
0: was it while wakeboarding or no,
2: no. Although I was immersed many times as a result (laughs) of my, uh, poor athletic ability on it. Um, but, uh, back to your question. I mean, I never really thought about it to be totally honest. It was, it was just sort of, um, well, I, I thought about it. I knew that, Uh, when I was, uh, when I would, would, would have called myself a Baptist, I, I I said, you know, it's like, this is just what I believe they don't. Um, and it's sort of like, uh, later when I came to embrace the covenantal understanding of baptism, I remember being like, well, all these guys believed it and they're not heretics. (laughs) So there's something like I'm, I'm either missing something or I have an incomplete understanding or. It's just a different interpretation of, of something that was sort of like how I eventually got there. But my wife who had grown up Baptist her whole life, she was uh, when she came back uh, when she met my parents, we went to church and there was a baptism that Sunday in the PC USA and it was an infant. And she was very like, what are they doing? Like I had never seen one. And I just, just sort of shrugged it. It's like, I'm I'm just going to sit here. And then, cause that's what I do in church is I just sit there. But I mean, later on, obviously, we, we came to understand the correct view of it. Um, so I never really thought much of it. It it, it took a long time, uh, and I'm very grateful for like the living, tweeting Presbyterian pastors who are who are willing to talk with people about it and have written. Um, I think I said it. I might have said it with you guys, but like R. Scott Clark's uh, contemporary defense of Reformed infant baptism uh, is just an excellent you know, high test scripturally footnoted document that can be read in about 15 minutes over and over again, uh, defense of it. So, um, yeah, but I, yeah.
1: yeah, let's link to that in the show notes. And I I think his, I don't know if it's a 10 part, uh, podcast series as well. If someone wants to go a little deeper, I think that's also incredibly helpful, incredibly yeah. helpful work. Um, and, and
2: Dr. Clark is great. I mean, he's a, he's a radio guy too. So like he loves talking into a microphone and I mean that as a compliment, like he loves like taking what he knows and, and teaching other believers for it. And, um, you know, uh, just imagine me waving a cowbell right now. Cause that's what he would do. Right. Um, but, um, that was, that was extremely helpful, uh, as I came to understand baptism. And, and that was sent to me by one of my buddies, um, who went to West Cal um, yeah. sent that. It was like, Hey, you know, I don't have enough ways to explain this to you by email, but if you read this, we can talk about it.
1: Well, um, well, Pastor Michael, if we weren't truly reformed yet, now that we've brought up Dr. Clark, we are now, I think. Um, we make it. Are we in I the I think club? so. So, so Resby, tell you us might, about, you might, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. I was just going to say, tell us about the, uh, all the other um YRR, Acts 29, as you said, not heretic guys that brought, that came in, uh, that maybe you became aware of around this time of, um,
2: yeah. So 2011 So I, I um, well, late 2010, we, we moved back to San Diego for a little while. Um, and so that was where, and we, and we did go back to like our same old, the same church that we'd been, that we'd been at. Uh, before we got married with our old pastor, he was glad to have us back, but every so often we would kind of poke our heads around and, uh, just kind of see what other churches were out there. Um, so that was where, um, that was where, uh, went back to my friend's, uh, X 29 church. Um, and it was about that time, you know, that's when I, I looked up to this, this guy a lot. Um, you know i could say it's a his name is josh which doesn't really narrow it down at all um um and so he uh he he was happy to you know answer questions and i'm like what you know what websites are you reading you know as mm-hmm. i sort of discovered like hey i'm i'm more interested in theology what are you reading um and so this is where like new calvinism uh, as i later understood it like started with me that this was when you know um, the resurgence started getting bookmarked. This is, you know, the gospel coalition started getting bookmarked. Um, there was some other, I think you know, even like Mark Driscoll even had his own website where like some of his other articles, uh, were, were on there. And it's funny. I've actually, we, we actually had the guy who wrote most of those on Presby cast a little, uh, a very early episode, a guy named J- Jed Ostitch. Um, and so, um, but you know, you didn't know that at the time. You're just like wow! This guy writes so much. He's so brilliant. So much stuff, right? And like his wife totally doesn't look like she's trapped. She doesn't look like that at all. Um, (laughs) Sorry that that might have been uncalled for, but there are (laughs) there that that real marriage like press tour they did. There's there's sort of like a deer in headlights look uh, at times, Um, but um, so that was 2011. Uh, 2012 we left san diego early 2012 we left san diego uh quote unquote for good i i i've been back not at all since then actually um and uh when we moved to colorado we joined an Acts 29 church there and so um all that to say you know that was where i sort of began to understand myself as as a calvinist or or at least believing the uh the famous five points um Never really talked about it with my SBC pastor. We just, it was just sort of like understood that it it wasn't a Calvinist Baptist church at all. Probably because there were so many non Cal people who would have gotten really angry if they had done that. But we all sort of agreed like there are not going to be any surprises in heaven. Uh, And if God is consistent, he knows that. Um, So we just sort of never we just never talked about it never really thought to talk about it like it was just a just a non-topic um but that was uh 2012 um so this is like right as right as we moved to denver and colorado this is right about the time like the real marriage tour Mm. like really kicked in and that's when like all these x29 churches basically did what uh, megachurches did with purpose-driven life. And that was put everything they had on hold to then go do the real marriage tour. Like, this is what we're pushing now. You have to do this series and then we'll go from there. Um, So, but in San Diego, I had done like a home Bible study where we went through like Driscoll and Brashear's like doctrine. Yep. And um, I had a buddy of mine there who was just like, I don't like Mark Driscoll. I don't trust him. Like, uh, I just, I don't get a good feeling about this. And I was basically like, I find the substance of your arguments unconvincing and we're going to do it anyways. And, um, you know, fast forward years later, I, I ended up saying like, I ended up like messaging him on Facebook it was like, you were right. I was wrong. You deserve to know that I feel bad about how I handled that. Like, mm. um, not, I don't think he is a, a believer any longer, but mm. I was like, you You need to know that you were right. And I totally dropped the ball on that. Mm. Um,
0: it's cool that you'd go back and do that. That's great. I think that's
2: that, like the one time I've ever done it. So, you know, <laughs> I, I'm really not that
1: great, but it's, it's uh, go ahead. Yeah, No, I, was, I just think it's, uh, it is interesting because by the time um, Real Marriage was coming out, I would say that was my, my twilight with, okay with Driscoll and stuff. And so, so yeah, I, right. I, I, I did buy the book because right. I, I'm a good person, you know, and, uh, but, uh, but I don't know if I, I really ever got through it. And it, I don't, again, we, I had the, I don't know what about it at that point of why I had kind of began looking for other, other voices, but I was, but it's very interesting to hear that from within x29 that it was how oh, that it was rolled out that way
2: oh it was it was a it was a uh, you know it was i don't want to say it was an assault but it was like it was it was planned i mean it was orchestrated that's the word like it was an orchestrated, orchestrated. rollout uh, throughout that yep um and so before we moved to denver like a little flashback before like i had we had a neighbor in our little duplex of apartments um, who was i don't think he was a believer but i think he was like religiously curious or was like intrigued by people who would defend the bible as true so far as they interpreted it so he was like hey you're kind of a, like a theologically minded guy would you watch this dvd and tell me what you think of it and it was collision which was the debates between Hitchens and Doug Wilson. So this is my introduction to Doug Wilson as well, um, knowing nothing about him that you, know, you would kind of later learn. Um, and, and so that, I don't want to say, I mean, this overlap probably set things in motion that would eventually make me not a Baptist. Um, but I, I, never, I was never a federal visionist, but uh, I remember watching that and thinking, like, "Wow! I, like, I've never heard—I had never heard someone, you know, argue these points to an atheist before." Yeah. Um, and and so, if anyone hasn't seen it, you know, I don't want to say go out of your way to to find it, but um, it is it is worth watching. Uh, yeah, A, I think
0: it's great. I think their whole—you can find. I think you can find some of their debates. I you can't. I don't know that you can find. It's, Collision, it's really good. I mean, it, you can it's find just, some of their debates on YouTube.
2: I mean, Hitchens, I mean, there's not a whole lot more you can say about Christopher Hitchens, um, but like he was he was so good as well and and just um, had such a, you know, just a great sense of humor. Um, It's also my introduction to P.G. Wodehouse. Um, mm-hmm. who, who I still read to this day, every time I need a palate cleanse, like I just go back into him and it's just great. Um, but so that was a wonderful DVD. And I, I remember thinking like, like my wife and I watched it and we, I looked at her and said like, I don't think Hitchens wins this. Like, right, and I right. was, sh- and I was shocked because it was very much not a Christian produced DVD. Yeah. Um, And so for it to be, put together and ended in such a way where, you know, essentially, I I don't think Hitchens was like conceding defeat, but I think in many, maybe he saw it, maybe he didn't, but to the, to the
1: viewer, at least the first time viewer is like,
2: I, it it sure doesn't seem like Hitchens comes out the victor
1: here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I, I, I agree with the both of you. I think it's probably one of the more helpful things Doug Wilson has ever been a part of. Um, yeah yeah and and it is yeah it is so good i i came across it a, like a bootlegged version on youtube and i went awesome. out and bought it because i i was yeah just like you i it was lit, uh, my wife will tell you christopher hitchens probably largely because of that is her favorite was her favorite atheist it's just so interesting and oh
0: certainly i, I he wish- was so funny he was such a funny guy
2: I, I wish and, and thankfully we still have peter um mm-hmm. who who was wonderful uh yeah. last year yeah um and and I think that last year would have been an incredible point of agreement between been. the two yeah um because and what I liked about Christopher was he had a way of making a point that was apolitical um yep. so the like my, my most frustrating thing about like lockdown and quarantine, was I I really don't think it would have mattered if I was sort of a a Vermont-style Democrat in the sense of, like, you know, if I wanted socialized medicine, if I wanted all these other things, I still would have been very, like, I still want to go hunting, keep your hands off my gun sort of a thing. So they're, they're, I hated how y- – how your feelings about COVID were reduced to how you vote. Um, I thought that was very dishonest. And, um, you know, I I said it, I I think sports bettors were the only people in some real ways who treated COVID uh, as it should have been, which is, you know, um, you know, if, if, if the betting lines say, um, you know, Michigan is going to beat Michigan state by 40, they still might win the game, but I don't think they're going to lay 40 on them. And so this was, my opinion was sort of the same. I I think it is something I don't want. It's something uh, I wish wasn't around, but I don't think it's going to be, you know, 10 million deaths by the end of the year. And, you know, I'm happy that 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 under went way
1: under. Right. Um, Yeah. And so you so you listen to uh, Wilson engage Hitchens with, you know, with arguments that are that are foreign, right. To kind of mainstream evangelicalism. Oh yeah. And, and so you begin, yeah. What, what is, what does that kind of spur, where does that take you?
2: Um, You know, like any burgeoning new Calvinist into apologetics. And you're like, how is everyone not talking about this all the time? <laughs> yeah, that's um, right. Yep. <laughs> which, which there's like four or five different topics which you like sort of go into on that, uh, that you could describe about New Calvinism. So, uh, I did end up, I read God is Not Great. I read Sam Harris's, you know, uh, what is it, his little like, letter to a Christian neighbor or whatever, yeah, which has yeah. all the angst of like a teenage punk band playing in their yeah, mansion he garage. Still
0: does, man, you just hear that guy talk about anything and that's what he's like.
2: <laughs> yeah. So I mean for for good reason Hitchens is the most respected yeah. um out of all those guys. Um and um so I read that apologetics um was sort of like the thing. Um and that's I mean that was sort of where I started going like consuming everything, um, resurgence still, but also a lot of, of Wilson stuff. Um, you know, again, I was never like, I still never, you know, even this this whole time before becoming vehemently opposed to it. Like I was still never totally comfortable with like pedo communion and and things like that, but
0: your reform bona fides are, uh,
2: yeah. In, in much the same way, like this was like, he was one of my first, like, Uh, at least as far as I understood it, like my favorite theologians isn't a Baptist sort of a thing. So like Wilson was like that, that kind of first one. Um, And um, but that, but early on my wife had sort of like, she's got this. And I think all wives sort of have this, is this like hyper awareness of like, something's not right here. Mm -hmm. Like he's saying all these things and they sound right, but there's something behind something that just doesn't feel right. And uh, eventually you kind of find out like, Oh, she, she was right the whole time. Um, And so um, right uh, about 2013 um, after all that, we moved back to North Carolina again and um, fell into another uh, Acts 29 church, which which I still think was, well, I wouldn't agree with everything they did. You know, they still did, you know, intinction for communion and stuff like that was still a, a fine church. Uh, and I mean that as a compliment, like it was, it was, the gospel was preached. We heard the gospel. Um, we made some friends there who I would still consider friends, uh, who are also Presbyterians now as well. It was sort of like this like way station, uh, where you can kind of tell like you're going to be a Presbyterian one day. Like it's, it's just, again, all of your favorite people you read are Presbyterians. Like you're going to be one, one time. And sure enough, they are. Um, Uh, but about, uh, 2013, um, uh, we, we had our, our first kid and, um, a little bit before then. Uh, but that was about the time I was like, you know, what if, what if we, and I'm not saying we're going to do it. What if we looked into infant baptism? Hmm. And so, and that was sort of like, I think that was the moment where you really kind of spelled the end for us and like, uh, like non-baby baptizing churches. Um so again, our Scott Clark's little uh pamphlet there and and some and even like Brian Chapel's uh book like Why We Baptize Infants was good. You know, the great resources out there. Um and eventually again I came to that moment where it was like, well, I believe this. None of these men are heretics, but it was sort of like a diet of worms moment is once you have an infant and you believe in that they should be baptized. It, it forces you to do something um, because yep. you either have to move, switch churches or you have to um, basically ignore what you know to be true. Um, which in, a, in essence, you know, you could boil to doing something not by faith, which, which Paul would say is a sin in that regard. Um, so once we did that, um, I reached out to um, the great theological database called Google Um, and, uh, asked the, the same friend who talked to me about infant baptism the first time I was like, Hey, we're thinking about looking into like Presbyterian churches. What should I look for in a church? And he was just like, well, here's the combination of letters you need to look for in the church name, uh, PCA, good PC USA, bad, like that sort of thing. And so, uh, I was, I was very surprised at how close the PCA church was to us, um, like maybe 10 miles on the highway. So, uh, super really not far at all. So, um, I had messaged the, the pastor there and he met me and we went to breakfast. And at this point I wasn't like ready to leave our church. I was just like, I just want to have my kid baptized and then go about my life at the old church. And he, um, what I thought was so cool, um, at the time was he said, no, was he said, I'll talk to my session about it, but I think he probably had the idea answer in his head already and then called me back or emailed. He called me and said, hey, thank you for doing this. Uh, we are going to pass, but here's why. And that was the first time someone had said, you know, basically when we do this, we actually are putting skin in the game with your kid. So we can't do this and then just turn you loose. Like that would, that would be uh, ill-advised uh, spiritually for us. And I respect it. And I actually like really respected the heck out of that answer. Um, so much so that, uh, we went and visited the church and then went back the next week. And after that, we we're like, I think, I think the writing's pretty much on the wall here. And, you know, my wife took a little bit longer to get there, but she's like, it, she's like, I trust you. If you believe this is right, then I think this is what we should do. And, and, and since then, she's come to believe, uh, an in infant baptism and the covenant as, as as much or more strongly than I do in some ways. Um, so that was twenty. That was summer twenty thirteen. So uh, I guess this summer is basically like eight years that we've been Presbyterians. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and so you you were you were with Driscoll longer, but you were believed wholeheartedly in infant baptism sooner than me. So there you go. Um, it's it's interesting, right? We've heard all of the the good, very, um, the very, very kind of reformed things coming out. And I think I just have a a question before we go back to New Calvinism, right? We've heard, you know, we've heard about intinction, right? We've heard about federal vision, right? We're going to have listeners who aren't familiar with all those terms, which is fine. But I think I'm interested to know, at this point, do you consider yourself an evangelical Christian? Um, Because I know that some in the in the, um, I don't want to say the, the farther the farther reaches of conservative reformdom, that there is, uh, there are questions for them in regards mm-hmm. to that.
2: Yeah, um, I can, I, I can't give you the definitive answer um, sure. because I don't think I had, I don't think I had that question. I'd never asked myself that question, so I don't think I really had an answer to it back then. Um, I would say I would say I didn't in a true understanding of the term, I didn't find our PCA church nor Presbyterianism to be unevangelical in the mm-hmm. sense of like if, if you you came if you were a visitor who came into our church, you would be you would be welcomed, you would hear um, you would hear a clear sort of like declaration of sin, confession of sin, and, and a call to repentance and, and the gospel, but you didn't have the like evangelical church form of, you know, the, you know, raise your hand, or if this sounds like something that you may be called to, you know, talk to one of our elders afterwards. There weren't sort of those normal um, like forms, like you would see in, in like an Acts 29 church sometimes, or a mega church or, or um, what, would most commonly be characterized as an evangelical church. But I would say yeah. that our church was, uh, evangelical in the true sense of it, it, it preached the gospel. Um, so that's sort of yeah. like a, a non-answer answer.
1: Right. Um, well, I, I think part of it is, is helpful. And when we come back from our, 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 our summer, inter, our restless summer interview break, right. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to discuss, and I think it might be helpful distinctions for people, these, kinds of classic evangelical beliefs that you're talking about gospel sin you know bible um maybe what we might call evangelicalism right the culture the forms and then obviously there's big eva which we'll we'll come to and sure i think i think it's hard right um when we talk about it um those those three things are all all in play um so now you are you you host the PresbyCast. cast you guys had us on your show mm-hmm. what is the PresbyCast's cast's interest with the gospel coalition what is the interest with what we might call are the the remnants of new calvinism today
2: yeah so that started um you know i, w- I was an avid gospel coalition reader um i i have you know I haven't read it in quite some time, but, um, I don't, I don't read a whole lot of, uh, theology anymore. Um, aside from a, a couple of like narrowed interests, um, the interest sort of was, and this is where I cannot take credit. And I don't think Presby cast can totally take credit for this. Although we sort of picked up, uh, stood on the shoulders of giants as it were, um, but my journey to Presbyterianism was sort of around the same time that Todd Pruitt of mortification of spins was, Mm -hmm. um, whereas, you know, mortification of spin, he was not in the PCA when that podcast started with, with him and Dr. Truman. Um, but he came into the PCA and, um, they did a couple months after, uh, we joined, uh, our PCA church. They, that was when, um, sort of the, like, um, like Todd's journey to it episodes came out, and they talked about it. And one of the things that really rang with me um, was when Doctor Truman said, "You know, to be a Baptist and to be a part of the Gospel Coalition, you have to give up basically nothing. But to be a Presbyterian and to be like a Gospel Coalitionist, a Coalitionist, like you have to at least be willing to give up everything." uh in in the name of making nice with these other people and and sort of things like that
1: um actually and, pa- pause on that for one second i actually think we had a listener kind of reach out they may have even heard that said on PresbyCast cast when we were there yeah and they and they uh they pushed back against that they didn't um they didn't quite i don't know if they just uh, maybe we'll cut this i don't know but w- w- yeah. To say more about what you mean by that. And right. Cause right. I think their pushback was, well, all these people are becoming Presbyterian, right? You guys are gaining, mm-hmm. you guys are gaining prominence. You wouldn't have gained without this, I think was maybe the pushback, but yeah. Tell, say what uh, Dr. Pruitt meant and what you mean by that.
2: Um, what I guess what I mean by it, or as I sort of came to understand it is in order to sort of, there are, there are distinctives about Presbyterianism, um, which we believe to be true and biblical. Um, and so as a result of that, you know, that, that means that there are some things that you may not be able to, um, you'll never totally agree on with somebody who who isn't a Presbyterian, who doesn't affirm, you know, the the Westminster standards or the three forms of unity if, if you're uh, Dutch Reformed. Um, so... You know, church government, for example, elder rule, um, just um, the whole, you know, sessions, um, the diaconate. um, So your deacons, who makes up the deacons, um, who can preach, um, who can speak in a service. And I know, um, you know, that's, there's a lot of, I wouldn't say there's a lot of gray area, but there's a lot of gray area in terms of practice, uh, even across Presbyterianism. Um, But just sort of this, I will again cite another mortification of spin episode, um, where they had uh, the pyromaniac guys on the blog, and I think they put it succinctly, is like uh, when you have um, like a cessationist and it can and a charismatic or continuationist together, and and you're called to just like agree to disagree, in order to work together, the cessationist is essentially saying like, okay, well, I guess I'm just going to be a charismatic for the purpose of like this arrangement. And so, because it, cause it never goes the other way. It just, it just never does. And so um, you never see the, the, the Baptists um, you know, in the gospel coalition being more Presbyterian in that sense um, especially as it goes to their, I guess, whatever the the SBC standards are like, they're, they're not going to let a person, although I guess some have. Um, you know, they're not going to let a person who is baptized as an infant be considered a member until they're if they require baptism for membership, and they should. Um, you know, they're probably going to say you need to be immersed. Um, so right there on modes of baptism, you have a um, you know a very differing thing. You know, communion. Some people don't see intinction as a big deal. Uh, PCA and Presbyterianism does. So if if you're giving communion, you know, regularly or you know, seldomly, however your church does it, there's a different in mode there. Um, And then, you know, just the, the idea of uh, connectionalism and and how your church is governed. I mean, essentially Presbyterianism has a coalition. It's the denomination because it's all connected, you know, interwoven through sessions and then presbyteries and all the way up to the uh, assembly level. So um, that, that's sort of, that's what I mean by it. Um, And, and the more, I, the longer I am a Presbyterian, the less willing I am to give up those distinctives. Mm. Um, it's not to say that they um, are sinless. Um, There's sinful humans in all of these roles. So things can and do go very wrong sometimes. Um, not just in terms of doctrine, but there are, there ha- have been, and there will be, and there will be again, some, you know, ugly cases out there of, you um, you know, men put in ministerial positions who don't do the right thing or abuse that power. Um, But I think, uh, you know, Presbyterianism has the best answer for how to handle that. Um, And sometimes that handling is still tainted by sin as well. And that's why we get all these wild cases that are discussed for so long. Um, So... um, Yeah. And I think if you look at it, too, um, while there have been Lutherans published on the Gospel Coalition, there are not a lot of Lutherans in the Gospel Coalition, Mm -hmm. although everyone there would probably speak favorably of Martin Luther, um, you know, or has read him or or looks up to him in some capacity. And, you know, Lutherans are very, you know, confessional Lutherans are very much not willing to to budge on their confession, uh, you know, either Augsburg or the Book of Concord. You know, that limits them in in who they can coalitionize with. Uh, and that's something to, I, I think that's something to respect about people, not to try to uh, soften.
1: Right. Yeah, I, I, I definitely think that's the case with Lutherans. And I think that, yeah, I think that's helpful for people to understand um, what what that means, right, when that is said. Because right, Lutherans will say, "No, we're not evangelicals." And and again, they don't mean they don't believe in sin or the gospel. They mean they they don't participate in American right. evangelicalism because yeah. they, you know, they have very convinced and very right, very specific convictions. Now, maybe maybe on the White Horse Inn, you're allowed to uh, differ on those things, but
2: yeah, and and I didn't even mention that. I mean, I was you know, I listened to a lot of white horse in, uh, when I lived in Denver, I had a, you know, 30 minute train ride to work. Um, so, I mean, that was, you know, perfect go through the backlog. And this was, this was, um, I stopped listening right about the time, uh, Ken left the show. And so Justin Holcomb, uh, started coming on as a somewhat like regular, and then eventually became sort of like a, interim host i think i i kind of lost track since then but it was still um dr horton dr riddlebarger and uh dr rosenblatt on that and i mean that those were wonderful discussions and that was a perfect example i think of people coming together to talk about important theological things and moments in history and and the truth and purity of the gospel but none of them gave up the distinctives um and it actually showed in a lot of ways how much all three of those or all three of them um, sort of agreed um, theologically and, and the confession sort of like lined up is there, there is a lot of commonality amongst these, amongst these churches, but that doesn't mean that we have to give up our distinctives uh, entirely. Um, and, and those limits are good. They're good, healthy boundaries.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So before we close, I, I, we're we could this has been great we could do this all day all night um but what um as you guys write you you guys handle these kinds of topics on um the presby cast you discuss lots of these things you obviously were brought uh to some calvinist beliefs through new calvinism mm-hmm. what, what do you think uh, either in its current form or just looking back, what do you think about the rise, as we say, the rise and fall of the YRR, though that too may be up for debate, whether that's the case? I think, um,
2: and, and I know I said it the last time we were all talking into microphones together, um, was, you know, I'm I'm grateful for it insofar as it brought me here. Um, so... Um, in that sense, there, there was a lot of good. I think there um, there are a lot of people who are probably more committed to their local church now as a result of it. So this was, this could have been the first time people were introduced to very sincerely, strongly held beliefs beyond just like, oh, I'm a Christian. I go to church on Sundays. That's how I was raised. That's how, that's how I'll raise my kids. That's just what we'll do. Um, because you had uh, – I mean, this was um, – you know, I think, you know, just looking at everybody, I think we're all within about, you know, 10 to 15 years uh, of an age uh, of each other. So a lot of us, you know, this was sort of, um, this was sort of like, we ca- kind of came into this, this was the first time we started developing our own sort of religious and theological ideas, potentially outside of our parents, if we were raised in the church. So this was sort of something like, this is ours, Um uh, that sounds very Cosa Nostra-ish, um, and, and it sort of felt like that for a little while. Um, I'm, I'm really grateful for um, the deeper commitments to the local churches that it caused through there, um, but um, in the same way that I'm grateful for blowing out a match that I'm holding before it burns me, um, I'm glad that that we got out before we got burned Um, I think at some point it would, it would have happened. Um, And that's, and that's not um, I'm sure somebody could figure out who the heck I am. Uh, But like, um, you know, we, we were fortunate that all of the churches we were in, in new Calvinism, um, you know, no scandals came to them while we were there. Um, We had, there are still things about it where um, we do miss people that, that we were, with and around in those churches, um, you know, friends where I was like, man, it would have been fun to break lockdown rules with you and have you over for beers or something like (laughs) that. Like there are a lot of people, um, who, who were great like that. And it's a lot of our church moves also coincided with like physical moves and relocations. And so some of it is, um, I, I moved around a lot as a kid as well. So it was like, sometimes like you didn't really become good friends with people until that last four weeks before you moved, you are like, dang it. Like, were you this cool the whole time? Cause I've been yep. here for like three years. <laughs> and um, um, so there, there were friendships like that. But um, as far as the rise and fall, it, it was just, it was so wild to see. Cause you're like, well, there's no way this can happen here. And then you're like this, this like early on you're night was like, well, this time it's different but, but this time it's actually different. Um, and then it, it isn't different. It's, it's still the same kind of scandals that are, that are happening. And, um, you know, you, you cannot discount the role that social, me- social media plays in exposing, but also, um, commentating, uh, on those types of scandals and things that people just have access that they didn't have before. Um, you know, sort of the idea of certain things, you know, could, in, in other decades would have remained local news stories, but now they're national. Um, you, you have that happening on, on a church-wide scale as well. Um, and that's not a blanket statement. Sometimes things do need to be national news. Um, but, um, you know, I, I, I've been glad for it. it. It makes me sad to see some people who who got who felt burned or maybe they held to the match too long and, and now they're not in churches um, or, or they don't really know where they land um, I, we talked about last time we were together, you know, um, you know, Dustin Kent's roof from thrice, you know, being a worship leader at one of the Mars Hills. And then now I don't, I don't think he would really call himself a believer. Um, so I saw it kind of going like a few different ways. Like, what was it like Michael Gungor or something had just some horribly right. written, you know, posts about why, you know, essentially I said like the only thing he has left to do is deny the virgin birth. Like he's already questioned the flood. He's already questioned like creation account. Like the only thing more ridiculous than any of this is a virgin birth. Um, and, and so uh, I don't know if he's done that, but um, well,
0: he's, yeah, he's, he's out altogether. I believe he's questioned 100% of all of it. So <laughs> okay, he, has, okay. he has a whole podcast about how he has no idea if it's true and you should still all listen to me and follow me.
2: Well it was the 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 fun they have a way of doing that. Like and yeah, that's and that's seriously. the da- and that's the dangerous thing about that sort of cult of personality. I um, was wrong
0: about everything that I ever told you and ever like produced for you. Please stay with me.
1: Yeah. And sign up for Patreon right yeah, now. Yeah, I right I'm
0: right now. So listen to me talk more. But there
2: but there are some bright spots in there. Like I am not a switchfoot music fan. Um, however, like around that same time I remember like the singer from Switchfoot writing like a very good defense of yep. like Christian being a Christian and, and playing music that is obviously influenced by religious belief, but isn't overtly like, you know, th- my job is a musician. And so I can approach those two things in, in different ways. Um, it, it was awfully 2k of him actually. Um, I think,
1: and I, I think what you're getting at is I think a thing that is a constant theme and, and I think people, a lot of negative or positive views come from, I think new Calvinism and for many, many, many people, you know, again, maybe it would be interesting for us to talk to people, acts 29 pastors today that it was kind of a, it was a transition point. All of these people were most of these people, everyone we've talked to, right. Is ending up somewhere else, right. right. In a confessional church. And obviously, sadly, some are, out of the faith. And, but that it was, there was some kind of big shift going on, and, and maybe it was responding to it or taking advantage of it. And that that was maybe one of the big hallmarks of it. And maybe that's why it was popular with college students, as you said, because they're forming or, yeah, it, it was something,
2: it was some, it was something seemingly intense, like sort of like you either, you know, I, I, I went to college saying, I'm not going to be one of those people who quits going to church in college. Um, and for whatever, like for whatever reason, like that did, that was just something that was important to me. And, and I'm glad that I didn't. Um, I think my life is a lot better, <laughs> um, a, a lot better for it. Um, um, tangent story. I'm actually a stronger Calvinist because of Amazon too. So uh, I, I sort of owe big tech um, like a hat tip for making me believe in the doctrine of providence. Um, there it is.
0: Please don't shut us down.
2: Yep. So uh, thank you. Thank you, Google, for helping me find churches. And thank you, Amazon, uh, specifically the Amazon comments for uh, when I was looking for a Bible, I was shopping based on uh, two very important things. One of them was translation. So I wanted an NASB. Uh, the second one was the dimensions of the book. I didn't want uh something too fat. I didn't want something too skinny, I want something right in the middle. Um, so of course I landed on a Schofield reference Bible. Um and uh for whatever reason, like the top comment said, This Bible is great, the print is big enough to see, it's clear, you can write a little bit in the margins, just don't read the footnotes. (laughs) And I had no reason to trust this review, but I have I have never read the footnotes (laughs) of of that Bible ever since. Because
0: of this review. Great. Yeah.
2: And um, I was at a, um, this is a very San Diego college thing to say, like I was at a coffee shop reading my Bible one time and some guy there was like "Uh, some Bible you got there. I said, Oh, thanks. I've had it for a while. He's like, pity about the footnotes though. Huh? I was like, I don't know. I've never read them. Um, And and so that's sort of, (laughs) you know, those weird, those weird, Moments were like later on. Like, who would have known? I, I still have the Bible. It, it's still one of my favorite ones to read because the translation is good. The font's the perfect size. It's easy to hold. Uh, I've just I just don't read the footnotes. Um, but yeah, I mean the the way people you know kind of end up and and go where they are. Um, some of that is just life. In some ways, it definitely makes um, it makes a lot more sense when you read Hebrews and you hear about people, you know, partaking in these gifts and, and hearing and maybe even participating, but ultimately, um, you know, we're, we're, we're not the healthy soil, um, that, that could grow anything. And, and, um, you know, it's, it, it's hard to kind of think about sometimes. Um, but, uh, it is true. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, think, I think I would say I came out on the good side of it. Um, um, you know, my wife and I look back and we just laugh about the real marriage stuff. And like, I, I think something happened, like the weeks that we were going to like, like go through the, like, like that chapter in real marriage where they were just like, Hey, maybe don't bring your young children into the sanctuary for like the, the, the famous, like, can we, do this chapters yep. something happened like i i've never read the chapters and we missed that week of the of the series um we had just some personal reasons we couldn't be at, at church on sunday and so some people talk about it i was like i have no like i totally i totally missed it and i'm glad i did um yeah um it's, yeah, I mean it's, it, would it's a fun, a, it would be a fun it would be a fun diagram such, to know it, like it's who, not such a
1: oh man what a wild are, thing to say well there are weeks to church weeks don't bring your kids into church this yeah, week, which, you know yeah which,
2: which should have been a huge red yeah
1: flag. definitely definitely
2: but but we didn't have kids at the time so we're just like yeah guys
1: don't bring your kids right. and- <laughs> sometimes churches pg13 what no that do? that
2: was the exact phrase that I'm was sure, the exact well- phrase used <laughs> Um, is that you know we're going to be talking you know this is you know this this is it and um, yeah but it would be interesting to know, like what's the Venn diagram of like people who were there for it and then like consumed every Fifty Shades novel when it came out. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> That's a <laughs> diagram I personally don't care to see. <laughs> uh, I,
1: uh, you know
2: I'll bet you it's close to a perfect circle. <laughs>
1: I, but I do think your point before this. This this PG-13 podcasting point is uh, is is great that just like the writers of Hebrew says right there. The 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 goodness of the soil will be revealed in time. And it's yeah. and it's important to consider our own lives in that way in our own trajectories um, and the kind of even strange providences that bring us to where we are and
2: and yeah, for I mean- others. And it goes back to Ecclesiastes too. I mean, there, there truly is nothing new under the sun. Um, and that in, in, I mean, um, I don't know, I don't know the right way to say it, but like, like Ecclesiastes is the greatest contrarian troll of all time. Um, in, in sort of a sense of you know, everyone's like, oh, this is this is going to change everything forever. You know, we'll, we'll never see anything like this again. And we're, we're told quite explicitly, like, this isn't even the first time it's happened, <laughs> let alone the last time. Um, and there's there's so much encouragement there, um, especially the climax of Ecclesiastes of just like, yeah, there's nothing new under the sun. This is all vanity and we can enjoy it and, and revel uh, and revel in in God's graciousness to let us experience it. Um, so I, I just think, I think that's great. And I mean, who'd have thought that we would do, you know, there's, I know it kind of gets a joke. Like, you know, what do you call three white dudes together, a podcast, um, oh. <laughs> like, like sure. There's a lot of jokes that have kind of come out of it and stuff like that, but, um, you know, something's stuck because everyone who was involved in it wants to still talk about the faith, uh, more deeply on some level. And, yep. um, I think most of the people who are doing it are probably doing podcasts like ours, uh, if they came out on, and by ours, I mean, PresbyCast cast and restless as they, they, they want to, um, you know, investigate it, talk about it more. Like, what did we learn from it? How can we not do this again? Uh, at least in our lifetimes, um, mm-hmm. you know, in classic American fashion, let's push it off to future generations. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> and uh you know let, let them handle it but at least there will be plenty of books and blogs written uh for, right. for people to go back and investigate too and especially since yeah. you know mark is in phoenix getting ready to do it again
1: yeah so, so well hopefully this this wasn't the first and hopefully won't be the last time we is, podcast with you resby so that's right no. we
0: did about a half rogan here
1: yeah thanks we're <laughs> thanks uh, for,
0: but before we're done we really should get uh, i know we're we're probably going to break it into two or something uh, with the normal size that we typically do. But uh, we didn't ask you, do you have a good uh, cage stage uh, moment uh, cr- that you want to share? Cause we, we try to collect Ooh. those. We, we try to collect cage stage moments here on restless.
2: Um,
0: a particular cringe that you still remember and think about.
2: Uh, my defense of election to a close family member. Um, it was just like, Hey, like, we're going to do like a family Bible study. Now I was trying to get like one started and, um, and we like started things and like, you know, because I was still like an, uh, you know, maybe second year of new Calvinism. Um, I was very confident that I knew everything. Um, and so we we started it and eventually just got onto election and i just could could not have botched it more like <laughs> um the wrestling reference is like i basically shockmastered it um shockmaster was a a a wrestler who was supposed to make this very intimidating debut in WCW um but right as he was literally bursting through a wall to make his debut he tripped and fell and the bass boat sparkled uh, stormtrooper helmet he had on like fell off and you can hear it like bounce on the ground and (laughs) right at the last second before the camera cuts you just hear Ric Flair go oh gosh and like it was I mean it was just that spectacular of it and I mean it, it, it took there were a couple days before um you know, me and this family member could kind of talk and I could kind of like meet, meet them in the eye again.
0: Uh-huh. Um,
2: and that, so that was, that was probably the big one of like, again, why aren't you talking about this all the time?
0: Right. Why um, are you not talking about election in every conversation? Can't you, you have? see
2: how important this is? <laughs> um, so it was that. And will that, do that. Yeah. That, in the earlier moment I mentioned about like Driscoll and, and my buddy, where he was like, you were definitely right about this. And I, yep. uh, and I was not. Um yeah. So that that was probably the the big cage stage moment.
0: Yeah. Well,
1: Fortunately there there's,
2: I don't think there's too many other ones, but uh that was that was the big one.
0: Great. Great. Well, uh what a good way to uh, go out with you, Resby, with a great uh, uh wrestling analogy. So uh this has been great. Been great having you. Um so you know, check out Presbycast. We'll get some of the things we talked about in the show notes. And uh with that, I believe we're done
1: come back next week for more restless thanks resby talk to you later